Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, all seven rounds in heaven's back. We're brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans as part of the Armchair Media Network. Wondering how the NFL draft may take place at this time? Go read my alternate options on... TheLedgeSports.com It is I, Rob Paul, a.k.a. a certified connoisseur of guard play, both in basketball and football. And with me, as always, is AJ Brady was a system QB Marchese. We'll really see what he's made of now, Rob. Today, we're going to count down our top 10 interior offensive line prospects in the 2020 NFL Draft and preview the AFC East Draft plans. Let's hit it. Seven rounds in heaven with my baby. Going out to Vegas, maybe. Looking for a young or a 2 don't draft a running back on the first day. Don't draft a running back on the second day. Maybe draft one on the third. Or don't. Let's go seven rounds. Let's go seven rounds together. Let's go seven rounds forever. And that's a song. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn is over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every 8 seconds with LinkedIn, and why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team for $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Know who else applies, AJ? Uh, no. The NFL Draft. That's what's up. <laughs> sick. Sick transition. Let's get into it. Yeah, it's, uh, hey, every episode I begin by saying it's still set for the same day, April 23rd, 25th, Shout out Roger Goodell, doesn't care what the GMs want. <laughs> Respect, Raj. Less oh, than a month away, it's crazy. Although, it's, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how it's impacted, uh, for guys who weren't invited to the Combine, guys who yes. didn't get their medicals done officially by teams, uh, I think... Oh, sorry, let me uh, say this before I dive into my stat here. I stole this from Daniel Jeremiah um, and his podcast. Um, 
last year I think they said 33 non-combine invites were drafted and uh, that number will likely be cut in half this year that sounds about right and like no one's gonna risk for example I have a guy who wasn't this is a really good episode to talk about it too I have a guy who wasn't invited to the combine in my top 10 interior offensive line group um, and it's going to be hard for a team to pull the trigger on him before the fourth round, before the fifth mm-hmm. round, even. Like, the fourth round, you're still getting guys who are going to impact your team pretty quickly. Yeah, I know, for sure. I, it is going to be interesting. Like, like usually in the late rounds, when you see a lot of the smaller school guys get selected, like, are we just going to see teams pick guys that they may be a little lower on, but we're at the combine? Yeah, I, th- I guess. I think so, right? And teams aren't going to risk drafting a guy and then finding out he's got wonky knee. Wonky knee yeah. syndrome. Um, <laughs> and, and it'll be really interesting to see post-draft with priority free agents because think about how quickly priority free agents are signing with guys or with teams. Yeah. That's based off like relationships built at pro days, stuff done with them at pro days, uh, if they were in yeah. the combine, like medicals when they... Bring them into the building, things like that. So that'll be impacted too. I wonder if we see priority free agent signings come along a lot slower. Because, like, I mean, right after the draft, you start. It's just an onslaught of them generally. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think we could definitely see that happening. Like, just a slow played out uh, process. It'll uh, no. It's going to be a really weird year for the NFL draft and. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited it's coming, but uh, I wonder how it'll go down. And maybe Roger Goodell should read my article about the eight alternate options. Wow, he definitely should, Rob. Where can you read that? TheLedgeSports.com. You can Second read plug. All, you can read all my NFL draft content there. If you want a three wow. round mock, I've got it for you. So sick. Enjoy. Anyway, interior offense fly. Um, I think the general consensus is not a great group this year. Uh, I believe we'll still have a handful of guys go top 100 because of combination of need. Uh, and, and there's a couple uh, plug-and-play dudes. Um, I think the center class, if you look at it just in, in terms of centers, it's a pretty solid class. It's really the guards that kind of pull it back. There's just not that many of them this year. I Yeah, I agree. Like, um, almost half of my top 10 is centers, and I, there's a lot of, like, a couple... Um, there's a couple of guys after that that I like a lot. Usually the center class isn't. It, it feels usually the center class is a lot more shallow than the guard class is, and it just there's just kind generally of there's generally less centers in general because there's less of them yep. on the field. And then obviously there's we've talked about it before on the show is there's not that many great centers in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. So this is a it's an interesting year. Um, I, I think there's a couple plug and play guards, but even then there's. A couple who have questions, um, uh, injury wise or specific things. Uh, that's what the center class do, even. But yeah, I have a handful of center. Like I have more centers in my top ten this year than last year for sure. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm uh, again. The consensus is it's not a great interior offensive line class. I feel the same way. It's like like all my top ten guys are third round or better, but. Uh, most of them are third round, so yeah. I, and like, even after that, there's only like a couple of guys I like, and like, there's a couple of guys deep, but it's just it's just not a very uh, 
flashy, spectacular class. It's I don't know. I, I, it, it felt like a bit of a drag pushing through all these guys. Even though they're like, yeah, he's fine, you know? I I only feel, about the guards specifically, I only feel confident in one guy going in the top 60 picks. I, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, it's just, yeah, there's not that much depth. Uh, I think guard rankings are going to be all over the place. Like I already mentioned, I have a guy in mind who wasn't even a combine invite, wasn't a senior bowl invite either. Come on, come on, Jim. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an odd class, but yeah, I, I do just still think like the centers really pull it up. Uh, so let's let's dive into it. Uh, highest floor interior offensive lineman in twenty twenty NFL draft. Uh, you're probably going to hear this name a lot. I have mm-hmm. Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. I think he's without uh, question just the best interior offensive lineman in the class. The only one who has a shot at going in the first round. I 100% agree. I, I don't have a first round grade on him. It's Me a neither. very borderline first round grade. I do like him a lot. Me too. Um, he's my highest floor and highest ceiling. Um, just to Me too. That. Me too. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just dive in on him then. And he, he's a guy who there was hype before the season but like not mm-hmm. first round level i'd say day two level uh yep. and and then i see during the season i mean it's just partially because it's the interior offensive line not that much talk about them and then as people really dig in uh as we we get closer and closer to the draft you've seen yep. that hype build and i think he's generally consensus number one interior offensive lineman everyone sees him as a plug-and-play center uh the only guy like i said I, he's the only guy who i think sniffs potential first round uh and if he doesn't like he's gonna go top 40 yeah i agree so like the grade i gave on him was like the 25 to 35 range that i feel comfortable in drafting him in mm-hmm. uh and, and like you kind of hinted at his hype like yeah he, he definitely became a consensus top three guy and then just pretty much consensus top one after that really impressive combine performance yeah for sure well it's interesting because after the senior bowl there was, like, Lloyd Cushenberry looked like he might be the the one interior yep. offensive lineman who could really rise and go in the first round. And yep. then as the combine approached and people really dug in on Ruiz, you saw that hype build, and then he dominated the combine. Uh, and now I think it's it's pretty clear he's the only one who, in a weaker class, could go there. Uh, breaking down his game, I think what separates him for me is just the combination of, we mentioned the athleticism, and how that translates to the field, him working to the second level, his short area quickness is really impressive. He's consistently yep. getting on linebackers. He's also a, a pretty strong finisher in the run game. He just moves really well. He's kind of a, the ideal center for... He, he can play power or he can play zone. I think zone's kind of where he would be, be at his best. But mm-hmm. uh, unlike some of the other centers in this class, a lot of them... It's like this guy's his own scheme yeah. center. This guy's power. Like it's one or the other. Ruiz is the guy I'm most confident can play either. No, I, I agree. Also, like a couple of other things I love about him. His hands are so fast. Like they're not always the most consistent, but like they're super fast. They're super strong. Um, usually keeps them in front of uh, of him, which is good, especially at center when you got a guy on your nose. Keeps them inside the defender's frames, and like it, it kind of ties in that. I think his eyes are great. I think he's a really aware center. You see, like, a nice – he's a very subtle – he makes a lot of good, really good subtle plays. Like, just he's, he's on a block, but he uses the offhand to, to chip and help uh, his, one of his guards out. A lot of those uh, those sick plays I, I always appreciate. Um, I'm, going to, I'm like, gl- the second – yeah, go ahead. 
Sorry, I was going to say, I'm just glad you mentioned the, like, the subtle things like that. I think that's part of why he's going to immediately step in as a starting yep. center, immediately have an impact in the run game. Uh, and it's just things like that, especially at the center position, where a lot of the time you're not necessarily just man-on-man blocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to work that chip block to the second level, and if you miss that chip, it kind of wrecks the play. Seeing him do things like that, I think, is why he's just such a safe option. Yeah, and tied into that, I think he works on and off of double teams like and, and help just really well. Like, Yeah, I fully agree. Um, he's the only guy I'd consider taking in the first round. I I think, like early thirties at the at the worst. Um, plug and play, long term guy, and then he's he's got a lot of upside too because he's only like twenty one years old, mm-hmm. tested phenomenally, and I think he's just going to keep getting better. He he's clearly the head and shoulders guy, and I think like the top two guys in the class are are above everyone else, but Ruiz is above number two. Me too. Uh, and and with Ruiz, um. If you're just looking for concerns, I think pass protection a lot. Yeah. That's a, that's a, uh, one-on-one pass protection is an issue for a lot a lot of centers. Yeah. Uh, at, uh, and, and with him, I, I'd like him to kind of uh, he he needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, he can get a little high at times. Uh, mm-hmm. He can his hand placement can be off, and I think struggle with power as a pass rusher on the inside at times. He, yeah, I think that like almost tied to his feet a little bit. I, uh-huh. I, for offensive linemen, especially interior offensive linemen, I, like I, I try to notice if their feet are getting stuck, and when that happens, uh, especially with bigger guys, you can get overpowered. Uh, you saw that a bit with Ruiz, but still, I, definitely the cleanest guy. I also sorry, his feet get a little narrow at times. Usually a nice base, but just those couple things he could he could definitely clean up. Hmm. Um. But yeah, highest floor and highest ceiling. I think he's pretty clearly. Uh, I could see him having an Eric McCoy type impact as a day one starting center as a rookie. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I don't feel that way about anyone else in the class either. Really. No, it's just yeah, the combination of athleticism and what he does on tape. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, value pick. Uh, value pick. I went with Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. Your guy. Yeah, I liked him. He had he had an impressive uh, senior role to me. Uh, it was a little up and down at the end, but I think it was still solid. Went to the combine, didn't impress really, but throw on the tape. First of all, he, he's six six, three seventeen. It's massive. Which he's massive. Sometimes you don't love it at guard, but uh, no. for a guy who was six six, he still plays low. So I like that. Uh, he's mean. He puts a lot of guys in the dirt. I think he uses his hands pretty well. Again, I'll probably keep bringing this up, but I, I like interior offensive line. I like all offensive linemen just to have really good awareness, work together really well. I think Stenberg's got that. Um, he moves his, okay. Yeah, go ahead. His big his biggest questions are like you mentioned the athleticism, like his lateral quickness, yeah. and his footwork can get really sloppy, especially in pass protection. Yeah, he he gets he gets caught off balance often. But I mean, he's not in my top ten. Um, I got him in like the mid fourth round, and I think like he's yeah, a guy sorry. that could, yeah, he's a guy that could potentially start in his first year. Uh, oh, come on, not. you uh, you know what I noticed last episode? You were saying you. You have high expectations for, like, fourth-round rookie offensive lineman or something. Because you were talking about, like, I was hyping up my love for Jack Driscoll, and you were, like, talking about him as a plug-and-play day-one starter. Now you're here doing the same about Logan Stenberg, potentially? Come on. No, I'm sorry. I didn't say day-one. I said <laughs> potentially. But rookie, starting as a rookie is, like, a big leap for a day-three offensive lineman. No, that's that's fair. I, I just, those are the guys, like, I'm saying that as a compliment. I'm not saying I expect him to. Uh, it's just a compliment. Then I would him. not want them to. 
No, I me neither. I'm just saying if he had to, he could, I think. All right. If you say so. I uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Personally, I don't want to have to be starting day three off with Blyman. Uh My value pick is uh, Daryl Williams from Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. A guy who's got experience at center and guard. Um, he is. He didn't test very well at the combine, which was no. unfortunate because I thought he, he he would test better than that at least. Uh, a guy who I, th- I really like his uh, his nastiness in the run game, despite uh, some size concerns. Strong run blocker, um, finisher. He looked really good at the East West Shrine game. Uh, he's 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 definite day three guy probably fifth, sixth, seventh type round guy. But I think he's definitely an interior depth player who I want on yep. my uh, on my roster. My pro comp's Joe Looney, so, I mean, come on. Um, and, uh, yeah, in this class, give me on on day three, if I'm if I'm drafting interior offensive lineman, give me a guy who's got experience at center and guard and just can be my my interior swing guy. There's, like, there's a handful of guys I do like as depth players, which, I mean... It's not saying that much, but I guess it is. Like I like Daryl Williams. I have him in the mid fifth round. Uh, I kind of feel the same way. Like he's got room to improve, but yeah, with his uh, versatility, it's a guy that you like to uh, snag around there. Uh, okay, who's your sleeper? Uh, my sleeper. I, I don't know how deep of a sleeper he is now, but I don't like the class that much. So I, I went back to Michigan. I picked. Uh, Caesar Reese's teammate Michael Onwenu. His uh, oh my god! For a second, I thought you were gonna say Ben Bredesen. I was gonna be like, "Are you, are you okay? Do you understand sleeper?" But no, this is a good pick. <laughs> no, not not Bredesen. I'm actually like I think I'm really high on uh, Onwenu compared to consensus. I I like him as like a late fourth round guy. He looked he really good the, at the East West Shrine game. Yeah, really good at the East West Shrine game. First of all, he's massive, six three three forty four. Uh, like. Like some some holes that you expect for a guy of his size, like he's he's a little inconsistent off the snap, a little slow. Um, like his hands are strong, but they're a little inconsistent. So it plays a bit high for his size. But then like like at three forty four, he plays pretty well for his size. Like he pulls well. Um, he's powerful. Obviously, he creates movement in the run. I I just think there's a lot of interest there. Like like definitely not uh, without his holes, but as like a late fourth, early fifth round guy. Yeah, day three um, in a power scheme is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, okay, mine's Danny Pinter from Ball State. Uh, a guy oh, yeah. who he blew up the combine. And he's thrown yep. on the tape, and I really like him in the run game. Uh, there's tons and tons of things he needs to work on, especially technique-wise. He's a former tight end, I believe. Um, yep. But the athleticism and uh, just use that translates on tape his movement skills is like a pulling run uh run blocking guard uh really you you want him to play with better leverage and learn to use his hands better uh he also needs to get stronger his anchor uh i've got questions about that but if i'm taking a guy on mid to late day three give me the great athlete okay danny pinter is my deep sleeper so how how high are you on him i've got day three grade Okay, I have a late six round grade, but like a deep I totally sleeper agree. is a UDFA guy. We've discussed this. Yeah, but this class sucks. I just wanted, to, I wanted to pick a guy I actually like. I don't really like a lot of UDFA guys. Uh, hold on, I want to talk more Pinter. Yeah, he he moved from tight end to, to tackle his junior year. Again, like you said, impress at the combine, and yeah, the movement skills definitely show up. Like you said, he needs to get stronger. I think he can add some more pounds on his frame. 
Mm-hmm. He's uh he's at what three oh six, which is not bad at at six four three oh six, but I think he could definitely add another ten pounds. Um like yeah, he, he's very unpolished, but like for a guy that's only been playing uh off the line for two years, he's like he's not bad at all. Like I think he's no. an interesting guy to develop two, three years down the line. Uh okay, my super deep sleeper who's a definitely better one than AJ's because AJ's AJ just cheats at this a lot. Uh, mine's Ethan Reed from Louisiana Tech, who I've been uh, the only fan of for, like, what, 13 months now? I forgot about him. That's a good one. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, he's definitely not going to get drafted. No offense to Ethan Reed. But when I watch his tape, I see a, a very willing run blocker, works to the second level pretty well, plays with big nasty, uses his hands, technically not that sound, and struggles with pass protection, athletic uh, athleticism questions and power questions overall. I worry about his anchor, but again, for a priority free agent, that's a guy I want in my building. Uh, a guy who plays hard and nasty. Fair enough. Uh, okay, who's your wild card? I kind of struggled a bit, but I, I chose really? Taylor. Yeah, I chose yeah, Taylor. I, I yeah. thought it was pretty obviously him. I like, yeah, it, it is because I don't know where the hell he's going to go. His stock has been dropping for six months, <laughs> five months, I, a long time. I still like him a lot. Me too. It's almost, it's almost like he dropped. Like, like 2018 was was really good for him, but like 2019, a lot of that 2017 issues came back for him. Like, mm-hmm. like you throw in the Ohio State game in the conference championship game, first play he gets just run the fuck over. <laughs> he ends up on the ground a lot. Like he needs to improve his anchor big time and his functional strength. But then you you see him in space. Like he blocks in space so well. He pulls so well. And like, I think I think he took a step back with that this year, though, and you could tell because the hip yeah. injury, and that's part of the reason he didn't turn pro. Yeah. Uh, from what we've heard, um, he that that's kind of why I think he's moving down boards is because you mentioned like the lack of overall, uh, like the the anchor questions. The anchor is my biggest worry with him for sure. Yeah. Uh, the an- anchor and the overall athleticism. But his despite the athleticism questions, he moved well, and you could tell he's yeah. a high IQ guy. Um, but he's he's obviously not the same athlete Garrett Bradbury was. No, no, no. But he has similar questions about the anchor, similar questions Nick Harris even. Um, yep. And then when he, when he kind of takes a step back working to the second level and working in space as a run blocker, that's where the worries come. And if that's going to get worse and we don't really know what's up with the hip, uh, that's how I see him falling to day three potentially, despite yeah. – um, me still being a big fan of him. He's he works to the second level really well. He's he's a nasty yep. finisher. He like you mentioned, despite the athleticism questions, he he moves or he pulls and gets to, he gets to where he needs to be consistently. Yep. Yep. And he uses his hands really well. Uh, but the pass protection is going to be an issue. Um, I think like where he lands is more important for him than a lot of these. Him and Nick Harris specifically, but. Yeah, and like I, I like both of these guys. They're pretty tight on my board. Um, like I, again, yeah, he might fall. I, I can totally see that. But still, if I'm if I'm running a zone, I'm gonna take a shot on him. I the think he fits power. No, I just totally disagree. Really? I don't, I don't think he he does not athletic. Biadish or Nick Harris? Because Nick Harris, yes, zone. Biadish, opposite. I think he could only play a power scheme. No, Harris. I said zone. Oh, what, yeah. we're talking about Biadish. Why are you throwing curves at me? Harris. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you sure I didn't just expose your wrong takes? Because I, I was ready to crush you. No, you could have, though. 
You should have. But yeah, um, I think that the, that's the issue that I talked about that at the top with Ruiz. We both agreed he could he can play power. He could play zone. That's one of the big pluses with him. And a lot of yeah. these other guys, Harris, he's going to be exclusively zone. I think Biotis is exclusively a power guy. And uh, that's part of the the reason Ruiz is like, if you need a center, that's the guy you go get. I, uh, I'm i I'm high on another guy, but we'll, we'll get there later. It's Matt Hennessy, probably. No, uh, it's not Matt Hennessy. Of course, yeah. But anyways, we'll get there. Well, if it, it's Lloyd Cushenberry, so is everybody else. So it's not a big secret. No, it's Hennessy. Anyways. Uh, anyways. Uh, best bet, Caesar Ruiz. Caesar Ruiz, yeah. It's the earliest I could see him going is um, probably twenty six to the Dolphins. Yeah, sure. And I don't see him getting like past what thirty five. Like, yeah, I just can't see, especially in a weaker class where you know you've got a bang on center, starting yeah. center. I just can't see him falling too far. Yeah, like uh, thirty-five in that at the absolute for, lowest uh, lowest forty. Like again, I, I'm very comfortable with him twenty-five to thirty-five range. Mm-hmm. Okay, you wanna you wanna jump right into we'll count down our IOLs uh, and then we'll we'll do some AFC East talk. Let's do it. I, first of all, on the class as a whole, it feels like it feels like just because it's not that good, like. It, there's not much consensus, especially compared to a lot yes. of other positions. Yes. Um, and, like, it feels like everyone kind of has their guy that they're higher on than everyone else is. Hennessy might be my guy in this group. But anyways. Hey, that uh, which is funny because in the offseason, summer, yeah. I was yeah. in on Hennessy and you were not. And now here we are. Yeah. I saw, like, I saw the potential, but you were way higher on me on him than me. Anyways, uh, 10 to 6 in this group are so close for me. Uh, I can see them flip-flopping all over. They're almost interchangeable, so I'll get into that right now. Uh, 10 for me is Nathan Muti from Fresno State. Oh, gosh, uh, you're low on him. I, literally, I'm telling you, 10 to 6 are like almost the same grade for me. So He's still low on him compared to me. Yeah, I know. I We'll, we'll get into it. Um, I have a mid-to-late third-round grade. Number 9 for me is Damian Lewis from LSU. Also a mid-to-late third-round grade. Number 8 for me is Kevin Dotson. From UL, also a mid to late third round grade, uh, and seven uh, is the aforementioned Nick Harris, mid to late third round grade, and uh, Biagi is grade. sick for me. Finish your Biagi's grade double. I'm nice. impressed. We even I thought we weren't going to get like in the in the ten to six. I didn't think we'd get uh, too many finisher drinks just because, like you said, it's such mm-hmm. an all over the place class. Yeah, and Biagi is just mid to late third. So like ten, like I said, ten to six are almost interchangeable for me. Um, the argument could be made anyone over anyone, and like I don't like it's not like I'm going to stand on this order. Um, where I have them though, I'll, I'll stand. I feel comfortable there, but like really, they're they're pretty interchangeable for me. And then like after that, the next three guys are kind of in their own zone, and then it drops right. off. Okay, I'll do mine, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Then we'll break down the guys. Let's do uh, it. Okay, ten for me is Damian Lewis. LSU, 84th on my board, Gabe Jackson, Pro Comp. 9 is Kevin Dotson of ULL. 70th on my board, Ben Grubbs, Pro Comp. 8 is Matt Hennessy. 67th on my board, Mitch Morse, Pro Comp. Uh, 7 is Nick Harris of Washington. 63rd on my board with a Rodney Hudson, Pro Comp. And 6 is Tyler Biadish. 55th on my board with an Eric Wood, Pro Comp. What's your question? 
Uh, I was just going to ask, who's 11 and 12 for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, 11 for me is Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. Okay, and, uh, that's going to be our biggest difference. How, where, where do you have Jonah Jackson? You have him top five? Yes. Okay. Uh, and 12 for me is Logan Stenberg. Okay. Uh, 11 for me is Shane Lemieux, and 12 for me is Ben Bredesen. Okay, so Lemieux's in my top five. Whew! Damn. The more well, I watch like, it, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit. Yeah, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, Damian Lewis. Sure. I think, I um, think Damian Lewis is, for what he is, he's really safe. He's, if you stick him in a power scheme, he's going to flatten people as a run blocker. He's never going to be a dominant pass protection, but I think yeah. he, he's like the epitome. I know he played, uh, he, he played right guard, but, um, I think he's like classic power left guard. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I agree. It feels very just safe. Like, uh, I, I think he like a power, like a strong guy. I like like to see him. Like, also, like <laughs> one thing I kind of found fun for him is like he stout against blitzes. Almost like when he, he felt like he took on a lot of blitzers, and when they just came, it was like hitting a wall with him. Um, yeah, he's a, he flattens people. He's one of the best finishers in the class. I think there's yeah. like no question about that. Yeah, I would like to see him like work his hands inside more consistently. He gets outside of the the frame of the defender a bit. He can get sloppy, and yeah, he he he's never going to be like I said, never going to be great in pass protection. But I think he ended up being a better athlete than I thought, and his feet mm-hmm. looked better um, than like in the pre draft process than I expected. Yeah, no, uh, that's fair. Like. Dotson, that's our guy who we. Okay, I, I'm glad we both have him. You have him eight, I have him nine. We both have him top ten. Wasn't a combine invite, wasn't a senior bowl invite. Uh, was probably easily the the best prospect at the East West Shrine game. Um, with him, I I feel similarly with him that that I do with Damian Lewis, where I think mm-hmm. he's going to be immediately a a plus run blocker. Uh, because really strong at the point of attack, finishes, gets to the second level pretty well. Um, not the best athlete. Feet can be a little sloppy, but again, I just see a like a mean tone setting left guard right there. Yeah, he's got a powerful upper upper body. Like he ragdolls guys uh, on the frequent. Um, like yeah, he's not the greatest athlete, but he can you can get to the he can improve his second level work. But he's he's okay at it. Like he's strong. I think he's savvy. Um, he he's gonna be the the guy hit hardest by the the yeah. combination of no combine invite, but actually being a potential top one hundred prospect. Um, yeah. But teams are gonna not be able to like you can't take him in the top one hundred without having a medical on him. Yeah, for for sure, it, it's unfortunate for him. I think he could easily like he should be picked there, but yeah. Uh, I wonder how far he'll fall. Uh, we'll save Hennessy because he's in your top five. Moody. Um, no, he's. We'll save him too. Come on, relax. Nick Harris. We talked about him a bit already. The the biggest questions with him obviously showed up at the Senior Bowl. He could have been kind of in the Lloyd Cushenberry spot had he had the same type of Senior Bowl. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But he had the complete opposite. Like he was just exposed. It was a bad setting for him. We talked about it before. One on one pass protection is not his game. He's at his best working to the second level as a run blocker in his own scheme. Really. Yeah good athlete who didn't test as well as I think we were hoping. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense when you throw on the tape. He, he moves so well. And, like, the thing is, like, he tests poorly, but uh, he looked good on the on-field drills in, in Indy. And, like, he just needs a new trainer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, 
I don't know. Like he again, like we mentioned, he's all zone. Uh, I think like the, his big question is clearly his his anchor and his overall strength. But mm-hmm. I think if he improves that, and I mean, you need big improvement. He could be a long term starter. And I mean, you, you like the quickness. It, it just yeah, that that testing was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, and then with Biotis, we talked a lot about him. Um, mm-hmm. Those those are the two biggest wild cards, I think. Like, yeah, they could go anywhere from like the mid second round to the fourth round, and they're both zone specific. They both have Biotis athleticism, injury history, Harris uh, athleticism, despite being a great athlete on tape, but the yeah. size and power questions. Uh, and I don't know. I just hope they end up in the correct schemes for them to kind of reach their potential. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, like, I, I wouldn't want to see either forced into playing early. No. Um, and, like, even, like, just look at, like, Garrett Bradbury was um, uh, this, like, can't-miss type center prospect last yeah. year, and he was horrible in pass protection all year long. Pretty much, yep. <laughs> so seeing like, and he was in the correct scheme for his skill set too. So just like, you just worry. But I mean, even like, look at Ryan Kelly with the Colts. He was again yeah. one of the safest center prospects we've seen, and it took what th- three years for him to really rev it up and reach his potential. It's true. Like the centers usually need time, but majority of them. Marquise Pouncey didn't, but he's a goat. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, you want to hit us with your five to one? Yeah, fifth, I have Shane Lemieux. He's just a little over the rest of the group. I have a mid-third round grade on him. Uh, from Oregon, obviously. Uh, fourth, I got Matt Hennessy from Temple. I got a late second, early third round grade on him, so a little bit of a jump. Uh, third, I got Robert Hunt from UL. Uh, late second on him. And then number two is Lloyd Cushenberry, early Fish to mid-second. Yeah, and top is Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Okay, for me, five is Jonah Jackson. So Jonah Jackson and Shane Lemieux are biggest difference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Jonah Jackson, fifth from Ohio State for me, 54th on my board, Shaq Mason comp, four, Robert Hunt from ULL, 52nd on my board, Brandon Brooks comp, three, Natane Muti from Fresno State, 51st on my board, Mike Iapati comp, two, Lloyd Cushenberry, 39th on my board, Ryan Kelly comp, and then one, Cesar Ruiz, 33rd on my board, Mike Pouncey comp. Okay, let's talk Jonah Jackson. I He's, he's just below those... Uh... My my ten to six, like he's like just a smidge. I have an early fourth round grade on him. The biggest so he's move, like the biggest yeah. movement for me leading up to this show, uh, like just prepping for it and like uh, doing more tape on everybody was Jonah Jackson, Shane Lemieux, Lemieux sliding down my board, Jonah Jackson sliding up. So that's interesting. It's funny. Um, anyways, we, we like Jackson a lot in the summer. The old Rutgers transfer uh, tested really poor, which is kind of disappointing. I like Jonah Jackson a lot, though. I, I know he's, he's a smidge behind the rest of the group. Like, I, I think he, he plays a little high in pass pro. I think he needs to improve his <laughs> And you're And you're standing Shane Lemieux? Shane Lemieux. I'm not standing that, him either. I don't. Like, they're not even that far off for me. My biggest issue with Shane Lemieux is uh, pass protection. He just kind of stand. He Too often he pops right up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mean as hell, though, which I love. I, I just, I, I don't. It's funny because like he's not that like again he's my guard or my IOL eleven and he's like not that far off because a lot of these guys are really close. Yeah, in I my agree. six six to twelve range, like Bredesen and Lemieux, uh, yep. in that group. Um, 
And, and I could see any of them just because you mentioned already, there's not really much consensus here because it's such an all over the place class. I could see any of those guys reaching the top 100. Like, not all of them are going to go there, obviously, but like, would I be surprised if Jonah Jackson falls to the fourth round and Ben Bredesen goes 70th? No. Yeah, for sure. I, again, like, it's in reality, 11 to 5 is really tight for me. And then, like, even behind that, like, Stenberg and Bredesen's not far. And, like, Hennessy's not much ahead of Lemieux. Like, it, mm-hmm. that whole group is really, really, really tight for me. The, the only guard I am certain, or, like, if I were to bet my life on it, which I will, the only guard I would say that actually goes in the second round is Robert Hunt. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I can, like, uh, like, obviously, Cushenberry is a lock in the second round to me. But other than that, I, I don't think I'd take any of the se- of the guards there. I'd... Look at Hennessy questions. in second. Yeah, like all of them have have questions. Like, like even I like obviously there's a lot to like. Yeah, obviously I have Muti three, which is above Robert Hunt, but like he's got massive injury questions. Do I think he yeah. goes in the second round? No. Robert Hunt, on the other hand, he gets the plus of playing right tackle. I th- I think that I honestly think the NFL loves a tackle who's moving to guard. Please. Uh, <laughs> He's massive. He's a mauler in the run game. He's a pretty good athlete for his size. Uses his hands really well. Possesses length on the interior. Strong anchor. He needs to clean up his footwork, but that was playing right tackle, so yeah. it, it's like less of a concern when you're shifting him inside. I just think he's a really safe plug-and-play. Like He is the safest guard in this class, which is yeah, funny because no, he comes from a small school. Yeah, no, I honestly, everything you said, I agree with. And... You know what the the one thing uh, Muti has on uh, Hunt big time is Hunt's Hunt's gonna be twenty four to start his rookie year. Muti's gonna be twenty one. Yeah, and I have Muti over him. Muti, Muti also. I mean, I, for me, bench press most important part of the combine. He won <laughs> forty four reps, baby. But yeah, with him, he's he's a good athlete um, on tape. Uh, we didn't get to see him test at the combine, but. Mm-hmm. Really mean physical run blocker. I think he's going to immediately translate into being a, a really strong run blocker. I think he can play power. I think he could play zone too. And he he's got experience at tackle too. His freshman year, he was a dominant guard uh, for Fresno State. They moved him on a left tackle as a sophomore. He kind of took a step back, plus battled injuries. Moved back to guard this year and was awesome. Um, he like Muti and Hunt. And honestly, Jonah Jackson, Moody, and Hunt, I think all three are plug-and-play guards. Uh, for me, Jonah Jackson, why I'm so high on him is he, he he's just such a safe run blocker. And he, he plays really smart. You mentioned nuance uh, and, and just subtle things with Riz. Yeah. I, I see that with Jonah Jackson. I think he's a high IQ guy um, who's going to... Like, none of, like, I don't see any of these guys necessarily being Pro Bowl-level guards. But all three of them, I think, are really safe options. I, I like to to kind of credit you more. I guess I think Muti might have like the highest floor of that group, as long as he stays healthy. So, sorry, sorry, highest ceiling. I don't know why I said floor. Yeah, sorry. I, I but bad. yeah, combination of athleticism, and power. He he's definitely the most interesting. But then yeah, the injury history is terrifying. Yeah, and I I do always look at that age when you, when it's a guy playing at that level at at only twenty one. And you throw like compared to Robert Hunt, who's three years older than that. I think, like I, I don't make it a big deal, but I think people kind of forget about it. they all kind of just lump them into rookies, you know? Yeah, uh, definitely. But, 
that's a big that's three years of uh of becoming a better football player but yeah i, I think his his um ceiling is like higher than most of the guys above him for mm-hmm. on my board and then with Cushenbury, we did, we did a lot of Reese talk. Let's dive into Cushenbury a little bit. Mm-hmm. He is, I think, he's the highest IQ interior offensive lineman in this class. I, that's that's a good take. I I think, yeah, between him and Reese is tight for me, but I, I think that's fair. And I I think he's just the classic center who possesses the IQ and the leadership qualities you want in a guy who's kind of leading your offensive line unit. Uh, mm-hmm. And then at the Senior Bowl, I had, I had some questions entering the Senior Bowl about his overall pass protection ability. And I think he proved pretty consistently all week. Yep. His anchor is strong enough. His hands are strong enough. He's got yep. really great hand placement. He's a good uh, lateral athlete. Um, he's willing to finish plays. He works to the second level consistently. Like, he's just a very safe center. Like, I think he's... he's him Like, Ruiz, I think, is plug-and-play potential Pro Bowl center. I think Lloyd Cushenberry, maybe not potential Pro Bowl guy, but 10-year starter at center. I, I fully agree with like everything you said. I like If Cushenberry snuck a Pro Bowl, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, no, me, me neither. I think, like, I I don't even have him that far behind Ruiz. Um, mm-hmm. Me neither. And I think he, he... The only guys I am confident will start day one, almost no matter the situation, are Ruiz and Cushenberry. Both of them... Uh, Ruiz more so could be playing guard too. That's true. I yeah, Ruiz is more of a guard uh, than Cushingberry is. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. I, those are the only two guys I would bet on starting uh, week one. And like a lot of these guys, uh, like I, I I like them, but I don't want to say they're absolute plug and play locks. Like 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 especially like if you drop back down to Biotish and Harris, they need they need a lot of work before they can start. And like. Uh, like I got Lemieux fifth, but again, he's not that much higher, and I, he, I like him, but he's—I don't know if I. It's I'm it's just, it's, one. it's pretty messy after those top three, four guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, can we talk Matt Hennessy, my boy? Oh God, I totally forgot about that. Yes, yeah. let's talk Matt Hennessy. So first of all, I I think he's he, he's another guy that can probably play uh, in any scheme you throw him in. Uh, he tested pretty well, first of all, which. Like, you saw the athleticism on tape, and then he goes out and proves it. I like that. He's a guy that, like, he's – and this kind of gets him to trouble. So, it's 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 like a – it's a something that's good and also a flaw. Like, he's really active. He's always finding someone to block. And, like, he, he blocks blitzes and stunts well, but he needs to improve on picking up blitzes. Because I, I find him go and help double team immediately – and that that might just be what Temple asked him to do. So I, I think that's that'll be like something that he improves in time when he has like a better line around him, uh, like you know in, in an NFL scheme. I, so like he's he doesn't have any issues blocking the blitz, but he sometimes he goes a little too quick. But I, I like guys who who are more than willing to help. He's really good at working the double teams, working off, finding his own guy. Uh, I think his hands are pretty good. He shoots them really well. They're quick. I think his feet are fine. Like uh, he stays low and pass and run. Plays with pretty good leverage. Um, you, like with centers, often when the guys line up over their nose, if they if they struggle with that, you know that's a bit of a knock. But uh, Temp- um, Hennessy at Temple, he didn't really have any issues when guys lined up over the nose. He threw the UNC game on. The he's a really strong anchor. Yeah, for sure. Like I I don't think he's like overly powerful. Like he's not going to move guys massively, but he's really strong. He's really stout. Like mm-hmm. you said, got a really good anchor. I. I, I don't want to say he's super safe, but I think he's a well-rounded he game. I, yeah. I I would say I have him 
lower than you because mm-hmm. I just I don't think the ceilings as high yeah um, as some of these other centers I have above him. But his like he is safer than Biadish and Nick Harris. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Without like without a doubt, like I think he can. Like, would you be surprised if he? I don't, I don't know what team, but like if the Dolphins took him in the third round, would you be surprised? He, he like he's their day one competent starting center. No, I think that'd be no. a really like good case for them. Yeah, no, I I fully agree. Yeah, I like on a bad that, team, I think you could that's called a teaser. <laughs> But yeah, uh, he's a guy. Well, that's why I like when we count down and we have differences like this. He's a guy who now I want to dive in. Like I've, I, I, I would like to do uh, more games on him, and uh, maybe I'll like him as much as you one day. Wow. Um, who are we? Seem to be like. Are we lower on Bredesen than a lot of people are? I think. I'm just trying to pick up. Pick uh, up I don't guys really know because I, I think just in general, like because I like him. I just yeah. I, I like I think he's like a a good fourth round guard to draft. Me too. Because I just don't think he's the greatest athlete. Um, but he finishes a lot of these guys are good finishers, and he's got strong hands, and I I, I trust him in the run game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Like, I guess some people are really high on him, but I think that's just this class is it's just all over. Like John Simpson, the Clemson guard, has a lot of fans yeah. too. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know. Calvin Throckmorton used to have fans. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have Bredesen over Simpson, but yeah, I've seen, seen fans of him. I mean, like, it, it, like over, like, I don't know. It's not a high-end class. I don't see a lot of these guys being Pro Bowl guys at all, no. obviously. Um, but I, I see, like, a, a lot of competent starters potentially down the road, and I see a lot of, like, really competent backups. So, like, I don't know. Does that does that mean it's a better class than we think? Probably not. But <laughs> maybe I'm just being nice. I don't know. You you're nicer than I am. So yeah, I know. Kay. I like being nice. Now because the NFL draft's approaching quickly, we're gonna get each uh, each episode do a little division draft preview. We're each gonna take two of the four teams in the division, starting with the AFC East, uh, and do uh, a little kind of mock for the first three rounds of how they could potentially attack the draft. And AJ, take us away with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I will say this every time I do this. I don't like mine. <laughs> that's, that's my catchphrase. Anyways, let's get to the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, they don't have their first round pick anymore because they got Stephon Diggs, which takes their biggest need off the board. Um, after that, like like they build a pretty stout roster there in Buffalo. Like they don't have any glaring holes really. It's it's almost like like their top needs for me is like edge, interior offensive line, maybe corner. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like they're drafting BPA and like edge is like just develop after Jerry Hughes. Uh, their guard could be starting early, but anyways, if they draft one and corner, I trust uh, McDermott to draft one later and uh, develop. So anyways, I. They have, first of all they have this they have a second round pick pick number fifty four in the draft. I'm taking Edge from Florida, Jonathan Grenard. I'm not he's going to be a bit of a rotation guy off the start because obviously they, they signed Mario Addison. Uh, Jerry Hughes is still there. Doesn't have to plug and play or anything. Gives him some time. Um, I think that's just the position to address. I like Grenard in the second, so there you go. And at uh, in the third round pick number eighty six, that's all they got. I took Kevin Dotson from ULL again. Probably like they they, they resigned Quinn in Spain. He's fine. They have some guys. They invested big time last year in the, in the interior of the offensive line, especially in the full offensive line. Yeah, Mitch Morse was a really great uh, signing. Yeah. Um, anyways, 
I uh, laughed. Yeah. He was. He was. No, I'm not. I know. It's just uh, I don't know. You just threw that in so nonchalantly. That I laughed. He was. I, I think Anyways. it's because Matt, Matt Hennessy's comp for uh, was Mitch Morris too. That's sick. Uh, so yeah, I, I, if they just oh the train's coming by. Yeah. If they, if they come away with any of those guards um, that I got in like that that grouping there, I'm pretty happy with. And like with Dotson, they they got some of the advantage of not having to start them early. I think I would have gone corner over edge, but I do okay. like the choice of guard in the third round. But I understand why you didn't. Like, we always talk deep. about McDermott's ability to develop, plus, yeah, the deepness of the class. Yeah. And the edge group not being deep, obviously. Yeah, I think that, that's why I kind of just think they got to come away with an edge there. Mm-hmm. They don't actually, really, they don't have to, but I think that's just a smart play. Mm-hmm. I just, at the same time, if, if there's, like, one of the corners falls... Yeah, just sure. Give Sean McDermott, another toy. Yeah, no, I mean, they, Josh Norman doesn't have much in the tank. They brought him in, but wrong. Pro Bowl. Sean McDermott knows how to save uh, DBs, veteran DBs crews. So it's true. Okay, Dolphins. Uh, I I gave AJ the lame team and took the fun team. That is correct. Uh, okay, first round they got three picks, fifth overall, 18th from the Steelers and 26th from the Texans. First, bang, assuming they don't have to make trade because I don't want to do a trade in this because that's lame. Uh, yeah. Tua from Alabama. I still can't say his name. Uh, I mean, that's the franchise quarterback. That's the guy we've all been connecting them to. Uh, I think combination of as long as he's healthy, but also he can sit a full year behind Ryan Fitzpatrick if he asks you to mm-hmm. stay healthy and get healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. His ability to throw... Uh, as an anticipatory thrower, I think it, it, it matched with his poise and leadership qualities. This is exactly the guy the Dolphins need to kind of take that step. I think Brian Flores and Tua would be a great head coach QB combo, both kind of like combination of stoic, bright, great leaders. So, bam. Uh, 18th, let's get Tua a weapon. Uh, Justin Jefferson, the receiver from LSU, gives him a guy who can play inside or outside. Uh, has the speed to separate deep, but is an expert red runner. He's like Keenan Allen with speed, which you love on the inside to complement Devontae Parker on the outside, Preston Williams on the outside. You've got the safe, like kind of safety net who makes plays. 26th, uh, you got to get uh, offensive line help, obviously. Let's get Josh Jones, the Houston tackle, plug him in at left tackle. He's at his best as a pass protector. Uh, we don't totally know what this offense is going to look like under Changeli, but if it's like New England, just because Flores is coming from there, Tua with a uh, a Josh Jones t- pa- uh, expert pass protector, he he lacks in the run game, but I think the footwork and the pass protection upside is what they need. Second round, let's get a leader in this secondary. Yeah, you got Byron Jones. Yeah, you got Xavier Howard. Let's get your uh, high IQ quarterback at safety. You traded yours to Steelers, so you got to get a new one. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., I think, perfect fit for Brian Flores in this defense. They they addressed a lot of their defensive needs through free agency. They added uh, guys like Kyle Van Noy um, and, and uh, Emmanuel Ogba and uh, Shaq Lawson. So I think getting kind of the quarterback of your secondary in Antoine Winfield would be a lot of fun. Plus, he's super versatile, can play nickel, uh, yep. can do all kinds of things. Uh, and then 56th in the second round, pick from the Saints. Let's get a running back. 
Uh, I wasn't sure who to assume would be left on the board, so let's just keep a guy in state. Cam Akers, combination of explosive running ability, twitchy as hell, uh, also is used to playing behind a bad offensive line. <laughs> and then in the third round, let's go get AJ's boy, Matt Hennessy, who might not even be there at 70, but if he is, that's a plug-and-play center. And now you've got an offensive line of Josh Jones... Michael Dieter, Matt Hennessy, Eric Flowers, and AJ's favorite offensive lineman, Julian Davenport. That's that's my dream team right there. I was high on Dieter last year, too. All right, hit us with the New England Patriots. <laughs> uh, first of all, I, I like that Winfield pick a lot. I, uh, I know. It, it, I, when I was doing it, I was like, safety is definitely a need for them. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's been like necessarily Matt. I did go all offense in the first round. Mm-hmm. which is kind of questionable, but they did address so much through free agency on defense. But they just need that type of safety. And I think Winfield Jr. is worthy of that type of pick, especially for that team. Yeah, no, I think he'd fit them uh, very, very well. And like you kind of said, a quarterback back there, uh, it kind of just – I think that's a really, really nice fit. Thank you. Uh, speaking of fits, New England Pagers, they have the 23rd overall pick. This is a guy that I'm not this high on. But it's a great fit, and in a weaker edge, if you want to call him an edge group, I could see him getting pushed up a bit. And this might be a trade back, but again, I'm not going to mock any trades because it would be way too complicated for future episodes. So uh, without further ado, at 23, I got the Patriots taking Zach Bond from Wisconsin. That's just like, I think that's just the perfect replacement for Kyle Van Noy. I know, Collins, if you I, know, I know we haven't like obviously gotten to our linebacker um, rankings mm-hmm. yet. And, and, like, things are definitely not finalized. How high are you on Zach Bond, though? Uh, I don't have a first-round grade on him okay. or anything like that. It's just uh, fit. I mean, he he that's his ideal landing spot, I think. Yeah, it's fit, and I think he's going to get driven up a bit. I'm not and saying he's a – yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not saying he's a first-round lock at all, but I can easily see him getting picked in the 20s or early 30s. I, I also think, like – you mentioned obviously we're trying not to do trades in this because then it just like it's we're already bad at doing this so adding <laughs> trades doesn't help. But New England obviously is a team that's always looking to yeah. kind of trade back and acquire. It would not be surprising to maybe see them trade back and then take Bond later and yeah. acquire this, picks. This is basically a wink wink trade back, but not really a trade back pick. Yeah. So. Uh, they don't have a second round pick. We jump to the third. They got three at the back end, baby. At eighty seven. Uh, let's go. Let's go get them a tight end. <laughs> I think these tight ends are gonna fall a bit. I think one of the top two will be available here, and I, I think it's Cole Komet from Notre Dame. Big boy. I think he fits them pretty well. Gives insert quarterback here another pass catcher. I I do end up getting them a receiver, but I, like receivers a need. But I think tight ends obviously a bigger need. Like yeah, Jared just, Stidham loves the tight end. That's. Good point. Uh, at 98, uh, in the comp picks at the end of the third, uh, I, I got them Ben Barch from St. John's. Uh, I think he, they could put him at tackle or guard. He's not going to have to start immediately. Uh, obviously, they uh, they re-signed... Uh, uh, what's his face? Well, they t- sorry, they tagged Joe Thune. Um So, like, if, if they can't come to a long-term deal, they have Barch as, as collateral here. <laughs> I think they're another team that's got to come away with one of these... Uh, like, I, I think you can play tackle or guard. Just come away with one of these guys at the back end uh, on the offensive line. And at 100, um, he's not in my top 100, 
but I think these receivers are going to fly quick. Probably could have found better fits, but I'm like, I don't want to force any here because I'll probably want to pick a bunch of receivers later. <laughs> so I got them Devin DuVernay from Texas, who I think would be a really nice I fit there. I think he is a guy who has mm-hmm. been a little bit forgotten about. Yeah. I think we didn't we talk about this in the pod probably we just rehash old garbage. But That's true. I like with the speed and what he can do as a yak guy, like I'm not gonna be shocked if he gets in the back of the third round. I have him right around there too. Yeah, I, I got him like as an early fourth round. It's not like I'm far off, but yeah. Got him as an early fourth round guy. I think that fits really nice. Philip Dorsett's in Seattle, so they gotta replace him. <laughs> He's a Congrats. Philip Dorsett type, but you get him a uh, 80 picks later almost so i think if you like it's i'm not sure exactly the route you go with the positions in new england and obviously i don't have them coming with a quarterback i i feel like they're not getting a quarterback in this draft i i I don't think so either i think they're well i assume they would be like picking up an andy dalton or something i just don't i can't see belichick taking like making moves to go get a jordan love me neither. And have to, like, kind of restart. Yeah. I I don't think so either. So, like, doing something like this where maybe, like, some of these guys are starting week one some of them aren't, I, I think would make a lot of sense. I'm going to be really interested to see what their over and uh, under win total is. You know what? I, I I had this idea. Wouldn't it be lots of fun if the Bucks and the Patriots were the first ever seven seeds, respectively? <laughs> that would be sick. <laughs> That's my prediction right now. Uh the Patriots are obviously more likely to be a playoff team, I think. But anyways. Than the Bucks. Who would you bet on? How like, low make... are you on uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks is when you've got seven teams from the NFC making the playoffs? I, I think they're like they're like the seventh or eighth. I don't know. I got I haven't sat down and thought about it. I don't time, know. Man. I'm I thought you were a Todd Bulls fan, and now I don't I know. I do like Todd Bulls, but you know I hate Bruce Arians. I respect the hell out of him. I know he's a great coach, but I, I hate love him. Bruce. I, I like Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich too much, though. I love Byron Leftwich too. <laughs> Just hate Bruce. <laughs> okay, uh, Jets first round, eleventh overall. I think they could make a move up potentially if they're in love with one of these tackles, but one should fall to them. Mm-hmm. I think the best chance of being there at eleven is Andrew Thomas of Georgia, so that's who they're going to take. He can plug in at left tackle. Uh, we've talked about him last episode, how he's kind of being slept on, even though he's going to go top 15 for sure. Um, and, and he brings attitude and the prototype type of left tackle. And Ideally, maybe they they uh, don't have to start George Fant, and Chuma Adoga takes a step and they're starting right tackle, but we'll see. But I think they can't not come away with a tackle. I know receiver is think- a big need too. Mm-hmm. But I think you can't if you can get one of these top four tackles, you have to. I one hundred percent agree. I kinda I think Andrew Thomas is my favorite fit in New York too. And like look at the the, the, the bad money they've tossed at off Salimon this offseason. So like I, I think it all signs point to that they're getting one of these tackles and everything else has been a hedge. And then second round, that's where you can address the receiver because of the depth. You lost Robbie Anderson uh to the Panthers, obviously. Mm-hmm. The only definite guy I think you have in your receiver core right now is Jameson Crowder uh, with Quincy Numa's injury history. Yep. But hey, maybe Josh Doxson finally makes it happen. <laughs> um, I don't love T. Higgins. I think this is kind of around the range he should go, 45 to 60. Uh, get get Sam Darnold a big target um, who 
can can make plays deep with his 50-50 catch ability. Uh, I got questions about his separation and his route running overall. But um, gets him a big red zone threat. I think there's a lot more work to be done with his pass catching group. But uh, getting some size on the outside would help. You know, uh, I am shocked in your first two teams you took T. Higgins. But I like that fit. Uh, I'm Again, I'm not high on T. Higgins either. I'm actually lower on him than you are. But I, I like that fit. I think he'd be a great target for Sam Darnold. Yeah, I think he, he'd be a good compliment to Jameson Crowder too. Yep. But again, they like they that receiver core is gross if that's your top two pass catchers. Bro, they have JU Chess and don't forget. They have like the funniest like Josh Malone. Braxton Berry. <laughs> like I love their receiver core so much. It's, it's hilarious. It's the best. And like like uh, Jets people like love Ryan Griffin because he had like two huge games last year. That's so weird. Uh, anyway, third round, they got two picks. 68th from the Giants uh, for Leonard Williams. They need an edge. They haven't had a consistent edge rusher, edge rusher since John Abraham. Maybe Calvin Pace. Uh, let's get Darrell Taylor from Tennessee. He's one of my favorite uh, day three guys. Or, sorry, third round guys. Um, big time motor. I think had he been healthy enough for the Senior Bowl and uh, combat, like, I he didn't like blow up the combine or anything, but he's fine. And I wish he was healthy for the senior bowl. Cause I think it would have taken a huge step. Um, he would probably plug and play on the edge because they lack so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And then 79th, you definitely need corner help. They have a lot. Their roster is gross. It's so it's bad. Terrible. Yeah. It's so bad. Uh, let's go get a, a DB to help Jamal Adams. out. Jamal Adams is about to set the, the DB sack record this year though. Um, <laughs> Darnay Holmes, uh, he could play. You, you ideally use your starting nickel. Um, I think yeah. he, he, he. You don't want to be playing him outside, but you could. I just think his feistiness and his uh, just his attitude. He's one of my favorite. Like, just possesses the correct attitude for a DB. Um, and I think a lot of the top like true outside corners will be gone by this pick. Yeah, and he's the most impactful DB they could get at seventy nine. I like it. Uh, th- these doing these were a lot more fun than I remember from last year. I think it's because this time we split them. Yep. And uh, maybe we'll not redraft the same players over and over. <laughs> I I didn't last year, but I made it really hard. I think I I think the split was a good call by me. You're welcome. I do too. I, when you said it, I was surprised that you had a good idea. I'm just joking, but I, it was a good idea. And next week is what the AFC North. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, you'll do Baltimore, I'll do Cincinnati, you'll do Cleveland, and I'll do Pittsburgh. Sounds good to me. Hell yeah. So thanks for listening, gang. Uh, you know, stay safe and uh, keep watching old college basketball games like AJ and I are doing. <laughs>